I'm Nalaya Chakana, and you're listening to the Dare to Love podcast. The Dare to Love podcast is the place where we get naked and have a real conversation. Hey, welcome. <laughs> so here I am walking in the forest with my baby girl strapped to my back. And I figured this is the perfect opportunity to connect with you and to record something. You know, as parents, we have to be more creative in how we fit in certain things that we consider to be important. I think that that is really the beautiful challenge that comes with parenthood, not to consider things being impossible because supposedly there is less time, but really to see like, okay, how can I catch this moment of inspiration and um, at the same time enjoy nature? And the smell of pine and the silence of the forest and the birds. I hope you can catch some of that <laughs> on the background of this recording. And you know, my baby girl's sleeping on my back. She's, yeah, this is her favorite way of um, napping to be in nature as we walk together. So yeah, thanks for meeting me again in this space. I know I've been quite absent. Um, I've definitely not had the clarity of my mind to record anything for months already and now that we are settled in Mexico and I mean everything is really flowing so beautifully ever since we got here doors seem to be opening doors that we've wanted to open in Thailand that just just wouldn't you know within the sense of belonging sense of having community we have amazing support from a woman that we really consider our Mexican a grandmother, our abuelita, who at times takes care of Keilani. Yeah, and it just feels like, wow, just this real family vibe in uh, Tepotzlan. And we found our little casita. Ruan has his office in town. And yeah, I'm exploring the mountains more. Ah, oh, it's just so nice to be in the mountains. So bueno, this is a little introduction um, for where I'm at. I just feel super connected, super clear, super inspired, very creative and so supported. And it's like, yeah, I'm just amazed what we have established within the first year of Keilani's life. She's turning one in a month, exactly, actually, <laughs> on the 18th of February. And it's, wow, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. So bueno, <laughs> the topic that I want to talk about is women can be bitches. Uh, I think it's a really amazing topic to start the new year with, 2023. So happy new year. <laughs> Let's get real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I say it with a giggle, but I am intending for this podcast to be more authentic and more personal than how I've shared before. And I believe that you know, the humbleness and the teachings that have come through parenthood have really allowed me to strip down. And um, yeah, at the end of the year, Ruan and I had a really good fight that led to a particular breakthrough, which is basically the base of what I will be sharing um, in this podcast. And um, yeah, I hope that as I continue to grow as the woman I'm becoming, I get to share more openly, more authentically, in ways that I believe are really the way that we get to inspire others. And not only that, the way that you and I 
get to connect on a really personal level, even if we've never met before. So, okay, let's get to the point. <laughs> Women can be bitches. So in this podcast, I'm particularly going to look at the dynamic between a man and a woman in a polarizing relationship. So there is definitely a difference between the type of bitch that comes out in the dating scene, meaning, you know, the type of quote unquote relationships that last for a couple of months that actually are not really relationships, but they're simply the time that it requires for us to kind of navigate and see who is this person really. And I think the bitch that comes out after a year or two years or three years or 10 years even um, in a long-term partnership are very different. So that is ultimately what this podcast is about, like the dynamics that happen in long-term partnership. But just to give you a little glimpse of what can happen in the dating world, they call this women giving the men a shit test. And a shit test is pretty easy to understand. Whether you're consciously aware or not, there's parts of the subconscious and the shadows hiding in the unconscious that will provoke and trigger certain scenarios or situations just to see how the man will respond. And all of this is um, very much connected to the primal. So it's like, okay, let's see if this man is strong. Let's see if he is resistant. Let's see if he can be present. Let's see how he with his maturity and all of his experiences that he claims to have will respond to when I need him or when I push him away. Usually it is some form of pushing away just to see if he is uh, committed also, no? And so in the beginning of, you know, the mating dance within those first months of dating someone, all of that is very primal. It's like, you know, your fertility and the pheromones are basically the base aspect that determine whether or how you navigate it, basically, how you'd navigate the dynamic that is happening with this person. Now, I don't necessarily remember or can see that this was per se present in the beginning of dating Ruan. I actually feel like, wow, there was such a trust and such a expansion and such a flow. I mean, when you know you meet your partner, it's, yeah, it's just really obvious. Like the level of commitment, the level of honesty, the level of the way our personalities just click into each other. It's just like, wow, there was uh, nothing holding us back from being uh, completely open, not just about our greatness, but very much about our shadows and uh, whatever it is that we needed to work through. And I guess the, you know, the in love aspect of it definitely helps move through difficulty. Um, and overall, you know, I can say that we are really good at moving through difficulty. So at the end of last year, in December, actually last month, <laughs> um, when I was contemplating, you know, like, how have we navigated difficulty? Uh, where are we now? How do we want to move forward? What parts of, you know, our dynamic do we want to leave behind in the year 22? And how do we want to move forward into 2023? Yeah, the first sense I got was like, wow, I'm so proud of us. Because honestly, I think the level of stress that we have endured is quite out there for a couple going through the first year of becoming parents. I mean, that within itself is such a huge shock to the system and requires so much attention and adaptation. And I mean, there's an identity death and both the man and the woman will go through their own process of 
basically upgrading who they are, no? In uh, their maturity, really. And so the fact that, you know, our stability was definitely not there. <laughs> and we needed to travel a lot and arrange paperwork to be able to exit Thailand. And, you know, we were rehoming our dogs and we had to make so many little travels. And from that point, basically months before we actually made the big move to Mexico, it was already just so exhausting, so stressful. And a baby was going through all kinds of, you know, growth spurts and becoming more attached. And with the breastfeeding and the lack of sleep and the movements, it was just very, very difficult to handle. So when I look at that three-month period specifically, so two months before we actually ma made the move to Mexico and then the first month after arriving here, I would say like, wow, I don't know if that was the most intense, most confronting period of my life, but certainly got very close to being in my top three because <laughs> it was ongoing no it's like you know before I became a parent I had difficult processes as well but still when I was alone it's like easier to manage because yeah you can actually take a rest from your process at times but with a family dynamic and not having a home not having support around no family no community it's like the way you have to navigate stress and personal processes you know there was a time where Ruan and I were both beyond our limits and both in quite a identity crisis and quite a struggle within ourselves and how that amplified within our own or our relationship with each with each other as a family unit was just like wow so reflecting back how we handled difficulty on the one hand, I can say, like, incredible. I don't know if every couple would have survived what we went through. I can probably full-heartedly say no, because I know enough couples who do have the stability, who do have their family close by, who, who do have their position established in the community and a sense of belonging, and who still end up separating within the first year of having a baby. So the fact that we climbed all of these mountains and managed to arrive where we are now, it's like, whew, I'm impressed. However, when we became more honest about really looking at certain dynamics and how we handled certain stressful situations, I specifically had to take responsibility for uh, shutting down in moments that actually were not helping, helping the situation at all. It was actually creating more stress on top of the stress that was already there and so these are the moments where the bitch comes out and the bitch is i suppose in a way the mask that is um not actually what is truly happening so the bitch will provoke certain situations and kind of poke and press and push him away to kind of see what his reaction is but due to the fatigue and the stress and the dynamics and the so many different factors externally and the need of my baby, there was simply not the same amount of time to integrate or to really feel more deeper into what is actually going on. And so what happened, even though we had amazing periods in the last year as well, whenever we ended up in a fight, it will be the repetition of the fight that already had been and 
it really, uh, yeah, I have a memory of like just feeling like we're on repeat and where's the fucking breakthrough? Because you, you can't end up in the same fight and speak the same words and then somehow make up, but still feel like there's this lingering thing that will ultimately lead to having the same fight again. And I think that this is something very normal within relationships. And if you see that something is repeating, it will require people to step up their level of authenticity and truth. Because ultimately, if you really, really really love your partner the love that you give them sometimes has to be a little spicy or sharp like if we're always trying to be nice or avoid the truth that might hurt then i don't think that that is true love i think true love is when we are truthful in a way that can help the other so in the really good fight that we had at the end of the year that was basically what happened yeah it helped me to see that i've treated him at times in ways that are hard for me to admit and it's you know when I realized this when a part of me actually clicked it made me sad for several days just the feeling of like oh my god here's this man the love of my life the person I love the most in my life who I want to share my life with and yet I've been pushing him away and I've been testing him and he's really been there and then, you know, because what happens in this bitchy space is there's a contraction, there's a wall that goes up, the reality is filtered, it's impossible to see the positive, it's impossible to remember the lovemaking that happened yesterday, it's impossible to remember the love letter I received at Christmas. It's like something shuts down, becomes extremely defensive, and it really feels like the entire world is against me, including him. And um, it's weird. So I started questioning myself, like, okay, I've been this bitch. And no matter what he did, I would always find a reason to bitch at it, basically. So why is this happening? No, like I really had to contemplate and say like, what? Because, <laughs> you know, Rowan and I, both of us attract a lot of couples and friends and whatever, people who are in relationship who want to learn or move through a particular difficulty. And I think that this is something that is just so common. It's just so common. And uh, what does it require to break through? I think that that is really the question. And so for me, I had to look at what is beneath it? What is this primal fear? Because ultimately, when there is harshness, when there is a defensiveness, it means I'm protecting something. And what is it that I'm protecting? What am I so afraid of? And what I've learned through life is that, you know, the fear is always interconnected with a great desire. And so if there is a fear that is triggering a particular defense mechanism, it means that on the other side of that fear is a desire that is, let's say, beyond the scope of what I have yet been able to believe in. So it's almost like a desire that I want so bad, but have no examples of in my life through the connections that I have. And yet I do know that it's possible, but something in my consciousness has to upgrade to allow that possibility to actually manifest, if that makes sense. So what is interesting is that I discovered that one of the fears is basically for him to leave me. But the interesting thing is, is that within my behavior, I was actually pushing him away. So I was pushing him towards my fear. And while I was pushing him away, I was simultaneously testing him whether he would stay. 
right? And this is so fascinating to me because, well, first of all, in all of my journey with love and men and dating and sexuality and this and that, I've never in my life had a fear of them leaving me. I always had this trust of like, I will end up with the right person. Uh, but now that I am with the right person, literally my soulmate, there's, you know, an ease about things because we understand each other so well. But still, these very primal fears can come up, even if supposedly that's never been part of my awareness. And even if you are in the best relationship you could ever imagine yourself being in, it still requires us to continue growing in the trust that we have, basically. And I think that this is the first point that I want to make, because the trust, like the realization I had at the end of the year, is that the trust that I established in the beginning of our relationship before we became parents, basically, because all of that changed the moment Kehlani came. That trust, we plateaued at that trust. And if I don't grow in my capacity to trust him more, then ultimately I am blocking his growth, if that makes sense. Because him, as a father, has to upgrade, he has to upgrade his uh, capacity to provide, to uh, be responsible. Um, I mean, the way he's setting his goals, the way he's approaching his work, the way he is as a human being, as a man, is just maturing, right? And it's upgrading, not for him, but for us, our mini tribe, our family, our future. And so in order for him to find the keys or the answers or the inspiration that lead him to where he needs to go, I need to support him and not just overwhelm him with the love that I feel in the moments that I'm completely open, but really check in what is beneath the surface. It's very hard for me to explain this, but let me just get back to where I was now and then I'll weave this part into it because it's all very, you know, there's multiple aspects that are connected to this. So the fear that I encountered was ultimately the most primal fear that any woman can have, the fear of the man leaving, right? And so when I reflected at the end of the year, I had to admit that that fear was even present in my consciousness, something that was very hard for me to admit because it, it's like, it's a particular vulnerability. It's like, wow, not only did I need to be more vulnerable in admitting that, it also, by admitting it, opened a door for me to be even more vulnerable than I've ever been. And recognizing that my position currently is the utmost vulnerable I've ever been in life. Well, apart from when I was probably a baby or a child myself, but definitely in relation with, uh, with a partner. Like I've never needed to rely on a man the way that I am now, like relying on his guidance, his decision making. Of course, we make decisions together, but there are certain things that he navigates for us. And I love that about our dynamic, that he does that because it, it really gives the space for me to be in my feminine. And then, you know, there's also the financial support aspect uh, that during the pregnancy, we decided that I would stop working. It had a lot to do with my desire to simply connect with the uh, altered state of consciousness that happens during pregnancy, which honestly, I feel can only be experienced when we drop all other responsibilities. And uh, I think that the first pregnancy is, is just very uh, unique in that way, in that possibility, that potential. 
Um, so that was the main reason. But other than that, I mean, I was so open, so expanded, so sensitive that it became too hard for me to get involved with very deep processes of my clients. So that did have the uh, consequence that I basically fell into his arms and would be carried, which is such a beautiful sensation, but so confronting specifically to the strong independent woman who's always taken care of herself, who's always navigated difficulty in her life, who's always been financially very strong. Even in my past uh, partnerships, this was actually a pattern of mine where I would be financially stronger. And I know upon reflection and inner work that I did beforehand that this had a lot to do with um, making sure there's an exit kind of thing or making sure that no matter what, I can always leave or take care of myself. And now for the first time in my mature adult life, uh, not only, you know, was I going through this intense shift of my identity while becoming a mother, taking care of Kailani, understanding how to navigate these new aspects of my womanhood, but simultaneously falling deep into a level of surrender, allowing myself to be supported that is just beyond anything that I've experienced before. And I think from a primal perspective, ultimately this is what we want and what we need. So that's not to say that I didn't have my projects here and there, um, but if a woman, and, and that wasn't through the necessity of needing to make money, it was rather following my passion. No, like I've recently remade my website, um, which you can check out on nalayachekana.com. And I'm working on preparing myself to, to guide a journey of Dare to Love before our next pregnancy, uh, which I'll announce at the end of this podcast again. So there are these, you know, creative projects. But while focusing on creating, I had to many times check in with myself. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this to make money so that I get a hunch of this previous self of mine? Or am I simply doing it because the passion is there and the creative force is there and a part of my consciousness needs that type of satisfaction to be able to have other parts of my life feel more balanced as well, such as family life, no? So even though family life is priority, I've really learned within this first year to see like, okay, how do I navigate it in a way that neither becomes stressful? To go back to what I was just saying, the confrontation, and I think that this is a confrontation for every single modern woman, woman who has experienced independence, a woman who perhaps is an entrepreneur, a woman who doesn't want to fall into the footsteps that her mother or her grandmother walked that feel limited in her expression. So a woman who seeks to feel free and wants to navigate life in a way that is not limited. Um, I think there's just a whole, you know, cloud of feelings that come in simultaneously when we allow ourselves to be carried in the way that Ruan has been carrying me. And I don't think I've ever could have prepared myself for the psychological confrontation that caused, specifically for my ego and for my identity, and therefore opened up a gate to connect with this primal fear of like, what if he leaves me and these were thoughts that i couldn't even reach but through my actions of being a bitch uh, pushing him away testing him um, whatever he would say or do or act or it would always be wrong 
just to kind of see like how committed he is. But after these little innocent moments would escalate and become, you know, more accelerated in the way that we were fighting, we basically reached a point where something had to change, right? Like you don't want to get stuck in a repetition of a particular fight. Someone has to break open, basically. And in this case, it was me. And, you know, there's moments where I give him a reflection. There's moments where he holds space for me or I hold space for him or whatever. Like we have a really beautiful flow. But when there is a pattern that feels destructive and I have to be honest, like, yeah, it started to become really destructive because when we started to have this honest, open conversation about me at times being a bitch, I asked him, no, like, when did this start? Because the intelligence of the psyche, let's call it that, because women are very unaware very often of why certain things happen. And the mind is very creative in coming up with all kinds of narratives that feel like the truth that actually prevent us from stepping into a deeper expression of vulnerability. Because ultimately, when you look at the feminine and surrender and openness and all of these beautiful words that are connected to the feminine, right? Like receptivity. Um, I think every single woman I know can learn something about receiving support, no? And even me, I'm proud of the levels of support I have achieved in receiving. There are still layers to that that apparently are really confronting. But back to what I was saying about the openness and surrender and receptivity, you know, all of that is very primal. And when you look at the sexual expression of our bodies, we have to open up in order to receive. And the more open we are, the more pleasure we can ultimately experience. And so for me, the sexual way of coming together is a reflection of who we are at the base of uh, our most feminine and masculine expression as a man and a woman in a relationship. Yeah, you know, the dilemmas that I'm sharing here and the things that come out through the unconscious, subconscious, um, the darkest aspects of the female psyche, I think are dilemmas that um, are really of the modern woman. Um, because it's no longer natural for us to rely to this extent on our men. I mean, the amount of women that I know who are simply incapable of the confrontation that happens when the man suddenly 100% is the financial provider of the family. I mean, I know so many women uh, within pregnancy, after pregnancy. And like I said, no, we come up with all kinds of narratives. And when I'm not sharing this to say like, oh, women shouldn't work. But I am saying this to see whether I can test you in what ways you are protecting the most vulnerable aspects of your being within your relationship and therefore stopping the potential of the growth that could actually happen. Because that's ultimately what I was seeing. I saw a stagnation in Ruan's growth because I've been observing his, you know, his identity crisis, his struggles with um, redirecting his purpose ever since we got together. As we were preparing for pregnancy, when we got pregnant, and then, of course, when Keilani came. And, of course, you know, there were all of these external aspects that have very much interfered with flow. I mean, if you're not grounded, not at home, not settled, then those kind of aspects become more difficult. But still, I do take responsibility that everything that happened in our lives are part of the way that they needed to manifest in order for us to have certain moments of insight and uh, breakthrough. 
So watching his progress, his process, and watching the stagnation of his progress, actually, I could feel intuitively that there was a part of me interfering with that due to the upgrade in trust that I needed to make. That's really what it came down to. Yeah, to relax more into these extremities of the polarizing way that we are expressing ourselves currently. So that is not to say that this will forever be the balance that will be in our relationship, but I think there's a uh, humbling and a maturity that is required in the baby years. We call this the baby years because more babies are coming and uh, it just requires a whole lot of flow and presence and patience um, with all of these uh, ever-changing dynamics that happen. And so the best that we can do is uh, see how we need to grow in order for that balance to be supportive, not just for who we are as a family, as a unity, but also as individuals. And me, I had to take responsibility, like I said, for how I wasn't as supportive as I thought for his progress. And I think that's, yeah, it feels just really beautiful and good to admit that, you know? Um, because even though it happened from a subconscious aspect of my psyche, it was still happening. And I think it happens in so many relationships that it's like, okay, how can we just admit that it's so freaking difficult to surrender to this level of support and uh, the confrontation that it causes? Um, because, you know, he supports, but there's moments where I resist his support because I feel like, okay, I've already asked for too much. And I think that this also happens a lot. Whereas the man, a really embodied, masculine, beautiful man, would love nothing more than to provide and to come up with solutions wherever there is an issue um, so the more space that we give that as women to our men the more fulfilled they are because when he wants to give and in some way i am not fully embracing it it stops the flow of the way that we can come together the kind of spiral back to what i was saying previously about the fear because on the other side of the fear is the desire, right? And I already kind of mentioned like, okay, the desire is ultimately bigger than what I have been able to imagine beforehand. So basically where we are now is the limit of my ability to imagine what is possible in a relationship. And I am being challenged by life to upgrade that. So it's like, yeah. How can I upgrade the vision of what I believe is possible within partnership, within parenthood, within the dynamic of growth and this intensity to continue being enjoyable and pleasurable and able to stay open no matter what? Because like, yeah, there have been stressful moments. Yeah, I've had my reasons to shut down. Yeah, it's been overwhelming. Yeah, I've been tested beyond my limits of what I even knew was possible when it comes to being tested, of my capacity to be present, to keep being there, no, for my baby, for my man, for my family. It's like, wow, you know, parenthood is about being stretched and basically into the interconnectedness of life. And what I realized is that even though I have this great desire of living in this constant state of oneness. There was a part of my psyche, again, very much triggered by that. 
which again, I think is something very collective. I mean, if you look at the evolution of humanity, more and more and more has it been all about individualization. I don't think I have to explain that, no? And I think everyone knows that during the pandemic, this basically reached its peak. Everyone basically got imprisoned in, uh, yeah, in disconnect. When, by nature, we seek to belong, we seek to have our community, we seek to know who is our tribe, we seek to have deep, deep, deep connections, and we know that things are better when we do them together, whether it is business, whether it is within relationship. And so for two individuals to come together and fight for their separateness, basically, that's ultimately what I see is at the base of many fights that are on repeat in long-term partnerships. They arise because there is a part of the consciousness that is unwilling to melt because we're maybe afraid for dependency, but when we really approach that connection in the best way that we know, or the most natural way that we know is possible, it is, it is not dependency, it's interdependency. And to understand what interdependency is, it's really an art. And within that art, we need to continue growing in the trust. And so how, how do I do that? by really checking in where does the contraction start what are the little things the little innocent things that would cause for an accumulation of certain thoughts or feelings that are unexpressed that ultimately will lead to a bigger moment where everything shuts down and you know the bitch comes out <laughs> so it's basically tending to the steps that happen before the bitch even has time to come out if that makes sense um and obviously open communication and as simple as it may sound for the woman to always ask for what she needs and this is not easy i have times where i know what it is that i need but the last thing that i want is for ruan to drop his work or to completely you know, reorganize his entire day just to accommodate me. But if I don't allow for that to happen, then it would lead to an accumulation of more stress. And ultimately that is not going to benefit him either. So these are like little things that I think everyone knows. But in order for us to flow with this dynamic of like, okay, I can open up some more trust and okay, I know there is a power in vulnerability because, you know, it's easy to talk about it. But if we within our human psyche um, have learned anything about life, it's that whatever concept of truth we've established or whatever experience we have with certain values or certain experiences within trust or connection or love is that there is no goal there is no end station it is always just another layer that you have encountered and there always needs to be an openness towards encountering new layers beyond that yeah i suppose the way i want to conclude it is um you know for the men who are listening to recognize that even for women who are determined to be in their feminine it isn't that easy, especially now. And I think that, you know, even within the most confident women, there is some reassurance that is needed from a primal perspective. 
And so the men who are listening, I would say, in what way can you check in with yourself and upgrade your level of responsibility and check in with yourself to see what is it that you are doing or saying within triggering moments or stressful moments that actually don't allow her to feel safe? And in what way can you provide that safety that really is needed for a woman to be in her feminine? And then for the female listeners, I would say, allow your shadows to come out, allow them to be loved, not just by yourself, but by your partner. It's not easy to have the ugly side come out because, you know, I think many of us, especially women, it's like we, even if we're not aware, there's an aspect of perfection that we strive for. It's like, wow, motherhood is so demanding. And even if you're not a mother, I'm sure there's aspects of your life that are so demanding. And yet you're wanting that to be the perfect expression of who you are. And then within relationship, you're wanting to be the perfect expression of who you are within friendship towards yourself. And it's like, we get so hard on ourselves when we make them the smallest of mistake. And it's within that being hard on ourselves that ultimately causes for things to accelerate, right? And that triggers the bitch to come out or the defensiveness when it really isn't necessary and for myself what I've discovered is that you know it's not easy to even believe or think of being open all the time like how can I feel secure in my expression how can I respond to actual danger when there is danger and not to imaginary danger by shutting down but actually remain open until it really is required of me to close up. So how can I be open? And I think that that is a beautiful question for you to contemplate. I have chosen openness to be my word for 2023. And I think it's a beautiful challenge <laughs> to see like, okay, I've come to terms with the bitch. Whenever she comes out, I'm not going to fight her. I'm gonna embrace her and see exactly what is beneath it. And then, yeah, reconnect with the intention that I have and see where's the contraction in my body? How can I soften that? And ultimately allow that growth to take place in the trust that I have for Ruan, for our family, for our lives, uh, for myself and the way that life provides and as well as everything that is yet to come to approach it with openness so that ultimately life force can flow and that things can come our way that are meant to be as opposed to trying to control even in the smallest of ways i think there's always these little ways that we try to control that are just not necessary even the reaction of our partner when they try to support stop trying to navigate how he supports just allow the support however it comes so thank you for meeting me in this space i hope that this walk in the forest has been as rejuvenating for you as it's been for me and i look forward to your responses and i look forward to connecting with you in whatever way hasta prontito abracitos hey thanks for tuning in <laughs> i hope you enjoyed this episode now before you go i have a quick announcement to make this year, I'll be teaching Dare to Love again. So if you are fed up dating the wrong guys and you want to attract your soulmate, go to nalayachakana.com 
and check out the Dare to Love course. This will be the only opportunity to work with me before our next pregnancy. So knock on my door if you have any questions. I'd love to hear from you.